Well, hello once again, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Kudzu Radio Hour. This is a kind of an anniversary of sorts. Wow, yeah. Uh, this is episode number 150. Wow, that's a lot. That's a whole lot of talking going on. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us on this journey. And I want to say a huge thank you to my uh, radio partners, Billy Eli, Patrick Beach, and Jim Hemphill for always, uh, you know, bringing their A game every single time. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Please let us know. Drop us a message on email. Um, any kind of comments on the, on the podcast or on kudzu magazine or any of that you can write to kudzu mag at yahoo.com k-u-d-z-o-o-m-a-g kudzu mag at yahoo.com a little bit later on in the episode today we're going to have our, our panelists going to discuss me so horny yeah yeah not not me personally but uh yeah i mean used to be when i was younger but uh, anyway, no, Miso Horny is uh, great horn players or horn sections. And we all know how important horns are in the history of rock and roll, Memphis rock and roll, and all the other kinds of stuff. I mean, everybody from uh, Ides of March to um, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, just a little bit of everything, right? So. We'll be talking about that in just a little while. Thanks for sticking around with us and thanks for always being here. Please uh, help us uh, with the podcast by spreading the word. Um, send the link out on your social media and uh, encourage people to listen in. We we'll greatly appreciate it. We've got a few uh, uh, anchors uh, as we, as my friend Marshall Chapman says, we've got a few anchors uh, who are there every time and we greatly appreciate them and uh we want the more the merrier because we can we, the conversation is just beginning and uh we've got lots to talk about the uh program kudzu radio hour is brought to you by the fine folks at springer mountain farms over in georgia springer mountain farms uh does chicken and they do chicken right it's uh fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms never any uh, antibiotics never hormones or no steroids no animal byproducts uh, we're talking about if you're gonna eat chicken and you want your protein you want it healthy you don't want a whole bunch of additives uh getting into your system so they know what they're doing. Springer Mountain Farms, Gus Arendale and the whole gang out there do an outstanding job. And they put, they put a product out it is a plus plus. I'm not just kidding. Uh, it's, uh, I was just at the store the other day. I know I say this all the time, but, uh, every couple of weeks I have to buy another bag of, uh, uh, skinless, boneless, frozen chicken breasts from Springer Mountain Farm and grilling puppies up, man. Oh, so good. The greatest chicken. They've got chicken strips. They've got all kinds of stuff. So 
you can find out all about Springer Mountain Farms chicken and even order and have it delivered uh, contact free to your front door. What else do you want? <laughs> Just go to springermountain.com, springermtn.com. And, and remember, always remember, don't ever forget that Springer Mountain Farms chicken is not only healthier for you, but it's tastes superior springer mountain farms that's springermountain.com the program the kudzu radio hour is also brought to you by a rock and roll band that i personally dearly love say the hip happening groovy group man uh they could have been at home in the 60s <laughs> you know they really could have. I mean, most of them were around in the 60s. Well, not most of them, but some of them were. Uh, but their sound has a very British invasion kind of jingle jangle guitar thing. It reminds you of a cross between the birds and the Dave Clark Five and just the greatest stuff. And the songs are so original. And they're all written by Bud Thornton and J.D. Andrew. Uh, they're the they're the new Lennon and McCartney. Great prolific songwriters. They just keep writing and they just keep recording. And they uh, they've just finished up a new Christmas album for uh, this next next Christmas. Talk about planning ahead! Wow, wow. But they're currently promoting the album uh, Light Rays, which is outstanding. Light Race is a great album, chock full of great tunes. I highly recommend it. And you can get it on uh, vinyl or CD or download. Any way you want it, that's the way you get it right there at theboxmasters.com. Theboxmasters.com. You can also order uh, autograph merchandise and swag t-shirts etc and uh haven't got any definitive answer for you yet but i believe that they may be doing their tour this summer uh, had to be put off the 2020 tour of course covid uh put an end to that for everybody but we're hoping that the box masters get back out and play so that we can all go and i'm gonna tell you if you haven't seen a concert by the guys you need to go because it's a it's a it's a party and as great as they sound on record they sound even i was gonna say better or they sound equally good live really good live and also live you never know when billy bob and them might whip out some sort of a obscure cover tune which they've been known to do, but it's theboxmasters.com. And I uh, think you should also follow them on Instagram at the Boxmasters Official. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, we do that little magazine called Kudzu. Issue number 41 is uh, still out there and will remain out there. Uh, although we are working on issue 42 uh, to come within the next few weeks. But if you haven't seen issue 41 yet, please check it out. It's, uh, it's my favorite price. It's free. Like everything we do is free. 
The cover story is Freddie Salem from the Outlaws interview with Freddie. And uh, we have an interview, a classic interview that I re-ran with a great songwriter by the name of Peanut Montgomery from Alabama, who wrote a bunch of hits for George Jones. Yeah, baby. Talk about real country music, real country music. There's also an interview that uh, Tony Pijar did with yours truly asking me about all the trouble that I'd gotten into. Well, not, not trouble, but I never gotten that much trouble that I'll admit to. <laughs> uh, just all kinds of articles, all kinds of good stuff in the uh, magazine. Our regular columns like Southern Accents, Big A knows it all, uh, Anthony Richardson. The Rock and Roll Health Chick Electra, man, she knows what she's talking about. And uh, we have a big, huge, sadly, very huge list of all the musicians that we lost in the year 2020. And also in this issue, we present the um, 2020 class of the Southern Rock Hall of Fame as voted on by our readers. And uh, yeah, all this and more. Boy, that doesn't sound like a commercial at all. All of this and more at www.kudzumag.com. Now spell it K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, Kudzumag. Dot com and while you're surfing that thing they call the internet be sure and check out the uh my uh relatively new channel on youtube the ambassador of southern rock interviews features etc uh a recent really good interview with chuck lavelle from uh used to play with the almond brothers and he's been the band director for the rolling stones for years a, a fresh interview with Jason Ringenberg, formerly of Jason and the Scorchers, one of the hottest Americana artists anywhere, uh, right out of Nashville, baby. Also, we have an interview with Freddie Salem from the Outlaws. And I've been doing a lot of shows with my friend uh, Dwayne Fields, also known as Rebel. Countdown like the greatest Southern rock vocalists of all time, the greatest Southern rock guitar players. And then another friend of mine, Richard Smith, who is an attorney at law, but we won't hold that against him. We've been doing a few programs together and we just did a brand new one. Um, the best non Southern rock studio albums of the 1980s. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Hope you'll check it all out. Just go to YouTube and look for the ambassador of Southern rock. That's all I can say. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, so without further ado, uh, we're going to play a tune. All right. Cause like I said, we're talking about, we're talking about, I gotta be careful. I, I'm speaking like too fast and stumbling over my words. Uh, we are going to be talking about horn players and horn sections. And one of the most outstanding ones anywhere is a band called Tower of Power. And we're going to go ahead and play a song by them now that everybody probably dig. It's called What is Hip? And after this Tower of Power, we'll be back with the whole gang. So 
Hope y'all stick around. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Kudzu Radio Hour. Here's some Tower of Power.
an album cover this afternoon. Oh, awesome. great. Recording zone, by the way, just so you'll know, uh, Billy's shooting an album cover this afternoon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, that's a great way to open up the program. Some good stuff there from uh, uh, artists to be named later. Uh, as soon as I figure out exactly what it is I'm going to play, because I'll record that after this. Yes, the secret's out, folks. Sometimes I, uh, I'm i a little bit slack. And today yeah, I'm like, we, we, we are a well-oiled machine. <laughs> yeah, and I got to tell you, I, I was telling the guys earlier, this uh, it's cold, it's rainy, it's depressing. I just really want to be asleep right now. But because of our legions of fans, legions of fans. Uh, I wanted to I pull myself together to do Kudzu Radio Hour. Guess what? Number what? 150. Damn. That's a, that's a major anniversary right there. How many, how, many have, how many have we done with this panel? 50. Jesus. Damn, guys. Wow. That's this almost is- a year. Man, this turned into the closest thing I've ever had to a job. <laughs> Wait, don't say that. You might curse it. That is, it's, a, it's, like, it's like a job. Man. It's the closest thing I've ever had to a job other than I did sweep up behind the stables of the horse. Uh, never mind. That's a whole different That's a, That's not a job. That's a career. <laughs> that was a career. That was a career. I never will forget old paint, though. But uh, Old paint? <laughs> <laughs> I never could understand why anybody would name, name their horse old paint. <sighs> I love uh, that. Cause, cause it just sounds better than new paint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. It sounds or middle aged paint. It sounds uh, vintage paint. <laughs> middle aged paint. Yeah. <laughs> middle aged paint. I believe he used to play with the sex pistols. Uh, I don't know what that even means. It was an attempt at a joke, and it just fell flat on his face. No, that was great. That was that was. Let's do a let's do a high fidelity thing. This is going to be one of them days. (laughs) It's already one of those days, and it's just getting started. Uh, and it should be over by now. Uh, so on the suggestion of Billy and our friend Rebel. He came up with an idea, and I said, you know, not a bad idea. So do it as high fidelity. And this is the question. Artists that you don't dislike, you don't dislike them, but you never bought any of their music. Not Journey. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So let's uh, let's go with... uh, Let's let Pat go first. Yeah, make Pat go first. No, no, no. Somebody somebody else go, because I can't think. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's Okay, I've got one. It's all the marketing. I got one. Jim. Steely Dan. Yeah. I don't dislike him. You never bought a Steely Dan album? I never bought a Steely Dan album. I did borrow some from my brother and taped them. But I never, I never spent my own money on Steely Dan. Um, I love Steely Dan's lots of guitar solos on Steely Dan records, and have have spent time working on them, reeling in the years, 
Ricky, don't lose that number. Skunk Baxter just knocked that one out of the park. Oh yeah. Uh, I love the, Jay I love Graydon the on things. Peg. Jay Graydon on Peg is amazing solo. Um, but no, I never bought any of their records. And I, you know, I think they're kind of yacht rockish. I mean, clearly they're sophisticated. Yacht and, rock. Yeah. Yeah, yacht rock. Look I've it never up, heard of that. Thing. And it, yeah. And uh, I want to go now because as soon as Jim said Steely Dan, mm-hmm. uh, and he was talking about uh, Skunk Baxter. Uh, for me, the Doobie Brothers, man, per- perfectly fine band, good boogie, you know, and all. And and uh, you know, I can listen to them and know some of their songs, and even like some of their songs. But never bought one of their records. Wow, wow. <laughs> I say that because, in a lot of ways, they're almost the same band. When Skunk Baxter was, you know, making huge contributions to both, uh, to both groups, and Michael and, McDonald. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's. Yeah, he was working with Steely Dan before he before he got to before he got to Doobie Brothers gig, wasn't he? Yeah, listen to Peg. All those background vocals <clears throat> on Peg are uh, Michael McDonald. Huh. Well, I never bought uh, I never bought um, a Steely Dan album. I sure bought some eight tracks, and the same with the Doobie Brothers. I bought the Captain and Me. I thought that was the greatest album, uh, and it, the hits were okay, but that song South City Midnight Lady, I thought was wonderful. Uh, but, you know, agree to disagree, I must say. Patrick Beach, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, and he's got one now. I've got one. It's uh, it's not quite as high-flying as the, the other acts that have been mentioned, but I really have always felt that I need some NRBQ in my life, and I don't have any NRBQ in my life, and I don't know why. Wow. You got to take more Vicodin. That's, I mean, that's amazing because literally this week I pulled out my copy of NRBQ and Carl Perkins' Boppin' the Blues album. Oh, wow. To test something on my system. So that's quite a, quite a coincidence. It is is weird. Well, I did get, I did get to see them open for REM one time. Yeah. It was a good show. I was there. I don't think I've ever, I don't even know if I've ever even heard NRBQ. New oh. rhythm and blues quartets. I mean, I heard of, but I don't mm-hmm. think I've said list them. Uh, I would say that mine is kind of a tie between two diametrically opposed bands. One of them being Boston. Um, I don't dislike, and I do admire Tom Schultz's uh, artistry. Uh, but if I hear more than a feeling again, I may blow my freaking brains out. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Pat. Sorry about that. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that's one of your things. It's and a great sounding record. It's a great yeah, sounding I'm record. I'm sure it is. He put a lot. They, they, he, they put a lot of work into that. Uh, and the other one is uh, okay. Go ahead and slap me in the face. Guns and Roses. Uh, uh-uh, mm. not for no, me. That's that's not for me. Never has been for me. I just I was like. Uh, uh, kind of the vocals kind of just always grated on my nerves a little bit. And I was like, nah, everybody's like, did you get that appetite for destruction? And I'm like, great cover. I love the artwork, but I loved a uh, heavy metal magazine. And it had that same kind of cartoon style in it and everything. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's all good. That That's pretty good. Rebel had a good suggestion. Uh, I'm noticing from the video though that Billy turned into a plant. Did you notice that? Yeah, that'll okay. happen. It happens. It happens. He thinks, 
he thinks he's on between two ferns and we can only see one of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move into the recommendation part of the program. And uh, who wants to go first? Raise your I'll hand. Go. I'll go. Uh, go I'll ahead, go. Patrick. I got my second Moderna shot on Wednesday and I felt like crud all day Thursday, <clears throat> laying on the couch, moaning and groaning and knowing that this too shall pass. And uh, I pulled up uh, something that you can see for free on Amazon Prime. It's a documentary film from 2006 called Punk Like Me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Ring a bell with it? Yeah. It's it's hilarious. Jim knows what I'm talking about. It's a film from... There's this guy. He's a... He's a he's a screenwriter or anyway, some kind of show business writer in Los Angeles. He's 37 years old. He's got this beautiful wife. He's got this beautiful baby that's so young. uh, She can't even talk yet. He's been in bands all his whole life, just mostly as a drummer. And then he becomes a front man and he decides he wants to at the age of 37 live the true rock and roll dream of going out on tour with his band. And so he goes to the guy who started the Vans uh, Warped Tour. Warped Tour. That's right. Thank you, Jim. And says, hey, I've got an assignment from Rolling Stone magazine, and I want to write a tour diary from the perspective of my band being on the Vans Warped Tour. This is a complete lie. It's a complete lie. And and the tour guy goes, yeah, okay, cool. And then like six weeks before the tour is supposed to start, the band breaks up. So he puts together this band called Carne Asada, the world's first and only punk rock mariachi band, uh, fronted by the former drummer uh, who is now the front man. His name is Rich Wilkes. And there's... Uh, the bass player's name, stage name is El Matador. The drummer wears a Mexican wrestling mask and goes by Chupacabra. And one of the two guitar players is named Dirty Sanchez. Kids out there in the internet land, if you don't know what a Dirty Sanchez is, do not Google it. Anyway, so they completely con their way onto this uh, tour for this non-existent band they have a song and the first line of one of those songs is our band is not real or something like that they load up the tour bus in los angeles with uh the the guy's wife and not the baby who they leave with the in-laws twelve hundred dollars worth of liquor all their gear etc 10 hours later in the middle of utah they have drank twelve hundred dollars worth of liquor so they have to stop and they haven't even played their first show. The first couple of shows go disastrously. And it's just, uh, I, I welcome you to jump in here too, Jim, because it's very wry. They realize they're doing this stupid midlife thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has some surprises. It has some disappointments. And you realize that, yes, indeed, life on the road really is hard. Um, but in the end, you get the sense that they're all kind of glad they did it. And they all gave something up. Um, the, the main guy and his wife gave up for a time, their baby who they sent to their in-laws and the in-laws joined them midway through the tour. One of the other guys took all of his vacation for the whole year. One of the guys shut down his small business so he could go out on tour. And, uh, Carney and Sada actually made an album and there's a super title at the end that said to this date, 
Carnegie's album has sold nine copies. This film is dedicated to all those bands who will never make it to the main stage. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Punk Like Me, Amazon Prime. Yeah, I saw that about the time it came out. Uh, so yeah. it's been a while, but uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sound like fun. Check that out. Jim? All right. So uh, um, we don't, I, I don't like to get political, but my recommendation has a little bit of politics in it, but it's been like 50 years. So I think we can, we can, um, we can look past that. Um, it's, it's a movie called trial of the Chicago seven. And it is so good. I mean, mm-hmm. I am, it's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, uh, who is, you know, to my mind, probably the best screenwriter, of the past 20 years. Absolutely. Um, if you know, he wrote a few good men. He wrote, uh, the American president won an Oscar for writing the social network, Charlie Wilson's war Moneyball. uh, did, uh, the West wing, uh, a great show called sports night that was on uh, in the late nineties, uh, a TV series, a fantastic show that, that, uh, had a real dedicated audience, but didn't have really great, great uh, ratings. Uh, wrote and directed uh, a movie called Molly's Game, which was one of my recommendations. A few that was a t- that was a terrific movie too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And you know, the trial of Chicago Seven is a a fictionalized version of a true story. Um, the Chicago Seven were seven anti-war activists who were uh, arrested for protesting at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago in 1968. Um, you know, great dialogue. The only, the only, uh, the only nit I ever have had to pick with Aaron Sorkin is that everything is just so perfect. You know that you, you think, if you stop and think about, it, you think no one has can can have those lines that perfect at that time. But it's so good that I look pa- that you can look past that. And one of the things that I really loved about this, you know, it's 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 a, the kind of movie I like. It's a lot of talking and a lot of in your head stuff and not a lot of action, although there are some scenes of the, the protests and how over the top the cops are. Um, but the, there are performances in this thing that are just incredible. Sasha Baron Cohen as I, Abby Hoffman. I, so I had. I had heard that that Borat played Abby Hoffman. I had forgotten that <laughs> Borat played Abby Hoffman. I saw the entire movie, and when the credits rolled, I said, "Holy shit, that was Borat playing Abby Hoffman." His accent was just a little bit off. He does a kind of a New York mm-hmm. accent. It was just a little bit off, but it was it was so he was so good. Uh, and Mark Rylance as William Kunstler, the the famed mm-hmm. civil rights lawyer, mm-hmm. is incredible he's got some of the best lines and his performance is just lights out it's he's it's a terrific- he's, he's better than kunstler actually is in gimme shelter he's a better yes. counselor than kunstler is absolutely no question about it it's just it's just chock full of great performance michael keaton is terrific yeah as, as ramsey clark the former yeah. attorney general son of tom clark uh uh former supreme court justice from austin texas but um so it's a, it's just a terrific movie, and I mean, one of the things that Abby Hoffman's character keeps saying is, "This is a political trial. This is a political trial." It it kind of was, but it shows how far I think we've come as well, because 
the, the, the tactics used by the Chicago police are not the tactics used to, for crowd control anymore. And, you know, you can have your opinions on, uh, on the anti-war movement and that's fine, but it's still a great piece of entertainment. Uh, I have to. Oh. Trial of Chicago seven. It's on Netflix right now. Oh. Speaking of, speaking of that, that time and that place, I was in Chicago for the 92 democratic convention and on Navy pier, they were selling a t-shirt, which I bought and still had. It says on the front, Chicago Police Association, happy 1992 Democratic National Convention. And on the back, it says, we kicked your father's ass in 68. We can do the same for you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's a, it's a terrific movie. Uh, it's up for an Oscar, uh, for several Oscars, I think. Um, yes. I, I haven't seen much that, that's up for, I guess, the Oscar. Or this, is that Tomorrow. Tomorrow tomorrow haven't seen much that's up but i i did see that and just thought it was absolutely terrific yeah it's a it's a i had to write that down sounds interesting especially really when you think about sasha baron cohen uh in a serious role you know he was this, really good this is his second he did uh another dramatic movie that i haven't seen and don't remember anything about he did i'm trying to remember what it is i'm uh seems like maybe i've seen it uh, but i can't remember i can't remember it getting old sucks man i like that maybe wait, wait no it, no it was it was the it was the prequel to the trial of the chicago seven it was called the trial of the chicago three and a half yeah. <laughs> hey uh, he shares uh, my birthday by the way so oh, yeah? he's a, maybe a little younger than me but well they uh um, yeah, I'm glad you remind me of the Oscars. I mean, I've always enjoyed the Oscars, but it's kind of like, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird because I, I used to go to movies every week and I haven't seen one well over a year at a theater, but I did see the one on TV that's up for a bunch of Oscars that what the sound of metal. I think that, I think mm -hmm. that one's going to do well. Uh, that was a really good movie, but. Everything changed. Thank you, COVID, for changing everything. <laughs> changing the way, the way we uh, look at movies, the way we do everything. But um, that sounds like interesting. Uh, Chicago 7. Wow. Trial, trial of the Chicago 7. I remember reading about that, but uh, I want to see the movie. It's, uh, it's worth it. Uh, well, that's cool. Uh, my... My recommendation is a uh, an album. Uh, haven't actually done an album in quite a while, as far as uh, tend to do TV or or books. But um, there's a band that uh, that I just dearly love uh, called Evanescence, uh, and uh, Amy Lee has got the voice of an angel. Uh, they, you know, I first became um, familiar with them back in 2003 when they put out their first uh, full-length album, and it spawned several hits. But my wife and I it became our band. I mean, we we loved, loved, loved because Amy Lee's voice is angelic, but yet the music was gothic like metal, and with this beautiful voice interwoven and it still is um 
but that first album had uh, my immortal and um going under uh and bring me to life all those songs and i got hooked and all and some of the album subsequent albums were pretty good but this one that they were that she put together or i say she because she's been the only really consistent band member i had a lot of changes in personnel um but during the covid year they kept uh, talking about this album and they put out a few singles um like uh, uh during the election she had one out called use my voice a very uh very motivational um thing about you know voting uh pro voting and everything and then other songs like wasted on you and the game is over and better without you uh, just uh, the album is called The Bitter Truth, and it is amazing. I saw uh, Evanescence, uh, Jill and I saw them one time in Charlotte in 2006, and it was just breathtaking. And, you know, Amy's a great piano player, singer, and everything, but it's just the whole idea of having such a thing of the voice of an angel was this hard-hitting and well-played uh, gothic metal background, you know? It's just killer. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. It's the bitter truth. And uh, I see by the clock on the wall that Billy's back. I don't know if he's got anything to recommend. Yeah, Lion King. I was just talking to Griffin, and he's watching <laughs> Lion King. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so I'm going to go with that, man. You know, cause Which one? Which one? The live the, or cartoon? Uh, probably all of them at the, simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man, I don't have anything this week. I, I really didn't have a lot of time for TV watching. Or, I, you know, I've, I've been busier than I usually am. You know, so, yeah, sorry, man, I got nothing. Just whatever's on YouTube, I guess. <laughs> whatever's on YouTube. Well, yeah, yeah, there are a few things on YouTube you could, like, spend your entire life. Yeah, so just do that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Billy recommends YouTube, y'all, in case you've never heard of it. It's a channel that has videos. Um, you've, su you've sullied the internet. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, well, that wraps up that portion of the program. We're going to play a song, and we're going to come back and uh, talk uh, a bit about horn players, uh, horn players and horn sections. Which should be interesting. Uh, and speaking of horns, um, this song that I've got queued up to play is, is kind of interesting. Um, when you when you think about horns in pop music, you know one of the first bands that comes to mind is Chicago. So I went all the way back to twenty five or sixty four, which I always loved that song. For when I was trying to learn to play bass guitar. That was the first <laughs> first song I learned was the real phone 25 or 64. And uh, I was a real fan. Jim, have you noticed that you and I are the only ones here now? They're, everybody's. Yep. Okay. Well, anyway. So I'm going to play that. I'm going to play that right now. Uh, Chicago. I think it's from the second album, which was it probably is. called Chicago's Who. 
It was actually just called Chicago, but okay. Well, what was the first one called? Chicago Transit Authority. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, okay, good. But it's it's generally referred to as Chicago too, even though that's not its official name. I might I, talk a little bit about Chicago today too. I was well, I was told there would be no math, so yeah. um, okay, the uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. Here's a little bit of Chicago. I'll be right back in just a minute. Right after this tune. Da -da -da -da.
25 or 6 to 4 from the band Chicago. Really powerful horn section and put on a killer show. I think the only time I ever saw them was probably about 77. And had, well, man, it was good. Had that, what was, uh, 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 Jim, what was the guitar player's name in that band? Terry Kath. Man, he was good. Oh, yes. Who's an amazing guitar player. Uh, I mean, I know everybody calls them a horn section, but, you know, they had him and then they had that incredible piano player singer. Um, I don't know anybody's names anymore, but he was great. Whoever he was. <laughs> I can fill in in a minute. Okay, well, <laughs> fill in. Uh, as a matter of fact, why don't you just go ahead and get the ball rolling, Jim, and, and run down your uh, your, uh, your list. and. Um, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Go, go, I go mean, ahead. you know, horn, horn sec. I, I did all sections and not individual players. Yeah. And it's really not a specialty of mine because I'm not real, real huge horn guy. But um, with with an exception that I'm going to talk about right now, and that is Lee Lochtane, Walt Perizader, James Pankow. That is the Chicago horn section. I've probably talked about this before, but when I was but a wee lad, and I mean like 10, 11, 12 years old, I took my musical cues from my older brother and sister, both much older. My my sister was into the Beatles and the Stones and Dylan. And my brother loved Chicago, the early stuff. And so I listened to that stuff uh, constantly. And uh, Terry Kath, you know, Terry Kath, the guitar player, he could sing like Ray Charles and play like Jimi Hendrix. He was extraordinary. Hendrix loved uh, Terry Kath as a guitar player and actually loved Chicago as a band. But their horn section, uh, the thing about their horn section is how they played together. They played fairly close harmony. Um, they uh, were more, uh, they, they played legato lines. They played long lines and they were kings of the... Uh, I guess you call it a uh, forte piano crescendo where you hit a note really hard and then you back off and then slowly crescendo. So it goes bah, ah, like that. Yeah. Uh, yep. They, they were, and it, it's, it's kind of a cheap trick, but it's a cheap trick that works. Right. And so they, that was, that was one of their signatures and their harmonies were so close and they were so tight because that band practiced all the time and they were such good players. I, the first, two rock shows I ever went to without my parents so that I'm not counting the Jackson five that I saw when I was, but a child, when I was about 12 years old, I went and saw Chicago. So this would have been about 73. Yeah. And uh, it just blew me away that that horn section was just as powerful and tight live as they were on those records. And, you know, I knew those first three or four Chicago records note for note, and just to see it recreated live with such power was really something. And, uh, you know, I don't listen to them much now, but, uh, but they were very formative for me. And as a bonus news flash, Chicago's fourth album was called Chicago at Carnegie Hall. And it was a four record set, but Rhino was coming out with Chicago at Carnegie Hall, complete a 16 CD box set of every note they played in their entire four night stand. 
uh, no, sorry, eight show. It was four nights, eight shows. I think they played two shows every night, eight shows at Carnegie Hall. The first non-classical band to play Carnegie Hall in like forever. You can for only $180, you can have all 16 CDs and maybe you can find 16 CD players and put them all all at once and have no, the greatest you're, concert you're, ever you're, with you're apologies speaking, to Lester Blank. You're Lester stealing Banks. from Lester. <laughs> apologies to Lester Banks. Uh, but so the Chicago horn section is my first one. Second one is uh, a a horn section that was variously known as the rumor horns or the uh, or the uh, Irish brass. And I had to look a little bit to, to figure that out for for reasons that I might talk about next week. I was listening to one of my favorite albums of all time this week, which is called uh, London Calling by The Clash. And there's a horn section all over that. And I never really paid much attention to who the horn section was. But this time I was listening to it and thinking, man, those horns are good. I don't know who did the arrangements. I don't know if Guy Stevens, the producer, did the arrangements or if the horn section did the arrangements or what, but they were really good. So I said, who is that? And uh, it's, it's a section that went that that did a lot of work backing up Graham Parker and the rumor. Uh, the oh, wow. British pub rock band. So they were called the, the rumor horns. They were also called the Italian brass and they played on a bunch of records uh, and including walking on sunshine by Katrina in the waves. And the so, waves. <laughs> so this, the same, uh, the same horn section played on London calling and on walking on sunshine, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and, uh, and those horn charts just are so good and they, they fit so well. And, you know, it was weird hearing the clash with horns, but you know, it's so etched into my brain now that those such an integral part of the songs and, uh, and, and I love the charts and I love the playing. And, and so I have to give a, give a shout out to them. Um, next of course, this one's kind of a no brainer, the Memphis horns who played on all of the, the stacks volt stuff. Uh, they started out as a, as a large section and ended up just being a couple of them. But I mean, all those great records, uh, uh, all those great soul records um, had the had the Memphis horns on them. And it, it eventually just became Wayne Jackson on trumpet and Andrew Love on tenor sax. Uh, um, but, you know, Wilson Pickett, everything you could think of, Isaac Hayes, Sam and Dave, uh, you know, Otis Redding, they played on all that stuff. I mean, you know, some of the greatest horn horn playing in the, in, in history. So the, in the history it, of recorded music, in right. the history of recorded, true, yeah, exactly. So Memphis horns. Um, next, you were talking about the Chicago horns. Yes. Uh, was that now that is that a different horn section than the tower of power horns it is because the because tower of power was, horns are the are the next one on my list well and and they did some work with chicago but they also did a lot of stuff with little feet i think man they did it uh the tower of power horns were kind of the 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 go-to session horns like the gold standard yeah exactly i mean when when we when we first talked about when, when buff said first said uh you know, we were going to talk about horns. I thought one of the first songs I thought of was a song from the first Santana album called uh, Everybody Everything. Yeah. Has great horn charts on it. It's the Tower of Power Horns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they played on, uh, on, uh, come. on Cody albums. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They played on, <laughs> that was, that was Patrick calling his, calling his dog, by the way. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we just want to say hi. 
Yeah, of course we want to say hi. Well, there's the puppy. Man, she's getting cute. She's getting cuter by the day. If you could, if you could see this, you could know that there's a puppy on screen. Right. Uh, but but they play. I mean, they played with everything. The Tower of Power Horns played on the Commander Cody records. They played on, like I said, they played on Rufus records. They played on uh, uh, that Santana record. Uh, just all. I mean, they they played with everyone and and were terrific. And uh, and so so they're they're on my list. And then uh, the last one on my list are the Phoenix Horns, originally known as the EWF Horns. That's the horn section from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, you know, terrific, terrific horn section. Um, you know, they they were whereas whereas Chicago's horns were kind of, you know, uh, had those close harmonies and those long legato passages. This, you know, they were uh, the Earth, Wind, and Fire horns had a more, you know, uh, energetic staccato kind of punchy, punchy, punchy is a good word for it. Yeah, and certainly funky. Uh, as well uh and you know they were uh you know they played they had a what was that bit they had a big hit they played on with uh with phil collins in the 80s but just the even if, even if you just listen to the to the you know uh earth wind and fire records shining star and oh yeah and all that great stuff uh it was a terrific terrific horn section um so i think i'm at five now so i'm gonna stop but uh <laughs> you know I'm not I'm not the, the world's biggest horn fan, but when when they do it right, it's great. And those are those are sections that I thought have, have all done it right. Nicely done. And Nicely done, Jim. Yeah. You, you um, killed two of mine, the Tower of Power and the Memphis Horns. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, this there's gonna be a whole lot of overlap. I'm gonna uh, go ahead before uh before all of mine get named, I'm gonna go ahead and do my five. Because uh, okay. Jim's already trampled all over them anyway, so <laughs> I'm not even—I I can't even add to some of them. I'll just say that number five is Tower of Power, um, and I always enjoyed them. And one of my favorite songs they ever did was "What Is Hip." What a great song, man! So good. And yeah, they played with everybody and his brother and sister tower of power and i had never heard of them i was out in california with my dad and my family we would go out every three or four years drive all the way to san jose see my dad's family and um i was at my cousin bud's graduation from high school and they had a special guest at his graduation uh they had tower of power <laughs> playing at the high school graduation which I'm sure cost a penny, but, uh, uh, you know, here I was 16, 17 years old and already just a fanboy. And I, I remember after the graduation, I walked right, right past my cousin without congratulating him on, you know, being, uh, you know, graduating or anything went straight to the guys in the band. And it was like, uh, Hey, I want to meet you guys, you know, and it turned out that the singer at the time, Edwin, can't remember his last name, but he was from Greenville, South Carolina. And we got into a conversation about all that. Pretty cool. I hear some residual something. 
and uh, they're servicing them they're servicing the pool you're hearing their radio oh okay cool cool <laughs> uh my number four is uh uh blood sweat and tears uh you've made me so very happy <laughs> spinning wheel all of you more than you'll ever know what a great band blood sweat and tears david clayton thomas the killer singer great horn section great horn section I was particularly a fan of the two years that my old buddy, Jerry LaCroix was the lead singer who went, uh, was, uh, also with Edgar Winters white trash, but he did two blood, sweat and tears albums and two rare earth albums for all you people keeping score at home, Jerry LaCroix, or as he said, LaCroix, Jerry LaCroix, uh, blood, sweat and tears. Heck yeah. And another uh, one that Jim blatantly stole from me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. Uh, you asked me to go first. It's so obvious. <laughs> the Memphis Horns. Uh, oh, yeah. Stax Records, Memphis Horns. They played on virtually every release. If they needed a horn section at Stax, it's like, call in the horns, uh, the, the, you know, the, the uh, Memphis Horns. Isaac Hayes, who I just loved me some Isaac Hayes, especially the Black Moses album. Oh, I still love it. Otis Redding. Ow, yeah, I just want to scream when I say Otis Redding. Sam and Dave. Aren't you supposed but, to yell, man got the blues now? <laughs> man got the blues. Man got the blues. But then uh, they also, besides that, you know, Memphis Horns also played on uh, things like U2's Rattle and Hum. Uh, and I played with, uh, uh, Billy's favorite band, the Doobie brothers. And, uh, they also played with the <laughs> Elvis Presley, not Costello, but Presley. Elvis Costello. Who played with Elvis Costello? Uh, Elvis Costello played with Elvis Costello. <laughs> the attractions and the imposters and several other bands and, uh, George Jones, um, I, mean, I thought we were talking about horn, horn players. We are. So you ask a question, though. I mean, <laughs> once you, when you pose a question to me, I turn into Mr. Spock. The uh, fascinating captain. They also, uh, Memphis Horns also played uh, on a record by Sting, Peter Gabriel, uh, led by trumpeter Wayne Jackson, Wayne the Man Jackson, shall I say, Wayne the Man Jackson. Uh, Memphis Horns is my number three. My number two is not a horn section at all, but he's as big as a horn section. He's the greatest, the king of the world, the master of the universe. The big man. Are you fixing the, the, big, man, the big man? Clarence Clemens. <laughs> yeah. was, oh, man, my was, hero. I'm surprised it took this long for somebody to um, to have him on their list. And I did. I have some individual horn players, but he wasn't on there because I figured everybody would, would have well, him. Well, I, I mean, you know, and, and everybody could have him. Everybody could. But nobody could love the man any more than me unless it was Bruce. Uh, I had, right. uh, And I was so fortunate to get, you know, I only saw East Street Band one time. Thanks to my buddy, Tim Shook, he had bought, uh, private box tickets at Greenville and it was two weeks before Clarence passed away. So I got to see the big man. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. I'll never, I mean, it was, 
when that show that night went almost four hours and I, and it just blew me away. And as much as I love Bruce, there's an equal part in my heart for Clarence because the two of them were to me were yin and yang. They, um, you know, and, and I'm not the only one that feels that way. You listen to the live recordings when they talk about, Tenth Avenue freeze out or whatever, and when it talks about when the big man joined the band and everybody in the freaking audience goes insane, that's because the big man was the man. And uh, my buddy Tim bought me a book called Big Man. It was this Clarence Clemens story, and oddly enough, he got it at the dollar store for one dollar, and it's one of the best rock bios I ever read in my life. So, uh just a great saxophone player and uh, uh i can't say enough but i'll shut up and my i guess i had to put it number one because it just reminds me of my i mean real youth talking about 12 or 13 years old my sister and i got hooked on chicago and uh my sister patsy bought every album that came out she even had one of the albums had a poster that you fold out. It was like, I don't know, 12 times the size of an album cover. It was inside the LP of the band. And, um, I mean, we were so hooked on Chicago and we went to see Chicago with seals and crofts in Charlotte. And I'm going to say, an, what, what, an, what an interesting pairing. It was very interesting. <laughs> what, a, what, yeah. an, what, a, what an interesting ticket. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing about it. The concert ticket to see those two bands was $4.50. Well, I was just thinking about the styles, man. I mean, Chicago oh, yeah, and well, Slick and, and Stills and Crosses and a couple of hippies playing, playing acoustic guitar and doing... I was, talking, I was talking to my uh, buddy Tommy Talton last night, and and uh, Tommy was not aware of Dash Crofts from Seals and Crofts that uh, he had a career before Seals and Crofts. You know, he was pretty famous um, as the drummer for the Champs that did mm -hmm. tequila. tequila. Yeah. And I was like, wow. At, well, I was talking to Dash doing an interview, what, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, I played drums with the champs. I said, tequila? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, that's got nothing to do with horns. Chicago, uh, and I'll just go ahead and toss out two honorable mentions that almost made my list. One of them, the Ohio Players. Good choice. Yeah, very Fire. Good. Fire. Yeah. That's some high school stuff, man. Love roller coaster. Got down. Uh, I love it. And my other guy um, that I just have to give a nod to, one of my all-time favorite artists is Edgar Winter. Blows a mean-ass saxophone, Tobacco Road, and, and Frankenstein, and all that stuff, man. Just... Edgar is the Mac Daddy on sax. Who's no Clarence Clemens? No, I didn't mean that. Sorry, Edgar. I was just joshing. So anyway, that's my I'm list, kinda, and I'm sticking to it. I'm kind of surprised. I got one of my, I got one of mine back. I've uh, I got, and I don't rank mine in any in any particular order. But uh, 
I have Bobby Keys, and I was expecting that oh, one to be gone. I was expecting that one to be gone by now, man. I, yeah. I was not expect. I was not. I figured Bobby Keys would have already shown up on somebody's list. Yeah, and, if, uh, I, if if I hadn't have done just sections, if I would have done individual players, I didn't think about Bobby. Well, till you and said here's, that. here's my here's my other one. Uh, and this fifties guy, King Curtis, man, play, played mm-hmm. on all them pop oh, records. And, oh yeah. Um, and, and I, I didn't go with sections so much as you know, individual players, although uh, one horn section, and I don't know anything about this horn section, the band uh, that did that song vehicle. Uh, Eyes Eyes of March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and th- that was a, that man, that was a smoking red hot horn section. It probably is comprised of some of the other horn sections we've already talked about on the panel today. And I'm also kind of surprised nobody has mentioned Fathead Newman. Uh, yeah, that played, that played on all those Ray Charles. Oh God, um, I know. On all yeah. those Ray Charles hits. Yeah. Uh, what's that for? And of course, me uh, horn section. Me and Jim actually got to work with the Quad Giuseppe horns. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of expecting the Quad Giuseppe horns to be on there, which uh, that that's uh, one guy, man. <laughs> one guy, four times. Yeah, one guy four times, and uh, I forgot what do you what do you play, man? The the horns are like well, it's like flugelhorn and bugle or yep. something, right? Yep. It's, some, it's yeah, it, it was some uh, it was some weird uh, yeah, it was some weird combination of horns. So uh, and and you know and, and then of course I had the Tower of Power and the Memphis horns on my list. Um, yeah, that's about that's it, man. I, you know, I, I'm like Jim. I'm not a. I I hear something with horns, and I'm like, oh, that's great, you know, and I and I like it and listen to it. But I, it, that kind of stuff is not really in my wheelhouse, and so I I don't know just a whole lot about it. Of course, you you can't not know who Bobby Keys is, man. Yeah, everybody knows Bobby. Right. That, well, that's like knowing, Claren, you know, the big man. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows him, too. So, anyway, that was that was my list, and I'll pass it over to Patrick. I'm, before, sure. before Patrick starts, I'm going to say, there was one that I kept off my list because I thought for sure Patrick would have it. So, I'm just going to say that, and we'll see if he has it. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, challenge. You want to go ahead? No, you no, you go ahead and and if you don't have it, I'll 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 throw it in as a bonus. Is it somebody you mentioned already? No, maybe. <laughs> no, it's someone I kept off my list. Yeah, like I did with Bobby Keys. I didn't put him on the list because I figured okay. everybody would have well, him. And now I'm really intrigued, so I'm going to talk really really fast. Uh, speaking of Clarence Clemens, we got to say a few words about Clarence because. Uh, uh, I read I read a whole book about Springsteen and his relationship with Clarence, which was very torture because they're very disciplined or very very different people. Clarence was larger than life, and and Bruce has his uh, depression demons, but he's he's a pretty disciplined guy. But I mean, he was huge. Springsteen's not. He was black. Springsteen's not. <laughs> you know, they were both guys and the way that they interacted on stage sort of like was a weird melange of racial and sexual things they loved each other so much in a in a strictly platonic way so when he died what did they do what did they do for a horn section or a horn player 
they replaced Clarence Clemens with Clarence Clemens' nephew and about eight other players. And the best way you can experience that horn section is to dial up on YouTube, uh, stump the band moment where they're playing somewhere live, and somebody holds up a sign that says, Play You Never Can Tell by Chuck Berry. And it takes them like 10 minutes to figure it out. And the whole horn section uh, gets some solo space. It's really delightful. I don't care if they faked it. It's just absolutely phenomenal. So YouTube, Bruce Springsteen, you never can tell live. We've sort of talked about a little bit, or we've danced around the idea of our relationship with horns. <laughs> right. Yeah. If the, and I don't know if it's despite or because of the fact that in high school I played in four different bands and spent years of my life sitting in front of the trumpet section. Me too. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't really dig a lot of horn facing bands like Chicago. Um, so I came up with two acts and then I'm going to split the difference and drop three or four tracks after that. <clears throat> I knew the Memphis horns were going to come up. I am a little disappointed in, in uh, the barrister Hemphill that he neglected to mention uh, the Can't Memphis horns. Wait. Right. The Memphis <laughs> horns played, played on Can't Hardly Wait by the replacements on their Please to Meet Me album. And, you know, they played with Al Green and Elvis and the replacements. And I think they played with John Prine, too. But, man, yeah. And every single thing that has a horn part out of stacks uh, was was the Memphis horns. The other one is much less obvious. And a band that is still going and still criminally underappreciated, the, the Suburbs had a horn section from their second long playing album on mm -hmm. it was called it was called credit in heaven and it was just two guys it was a trumpet player and a sax player uh the guy who's been with them since uh credit in heaven is this guy max sax ray who was also in this band called the wallets which was fronted by get this an accordion player um one interesting little tidbit speaking of Springsteen once again was Springsteen was a huge suburbs fan. They, they were like nobodies. And then they got this sort of residency at Jay's Longhorn bar in Minneapolis. And that's when Springsteen was on his river tour in 79, 80 and 81, I think. And he caught them there like five times. And he supposedly almost jumped on stage and joined them for an encore one time, but he was a huge fan. Just, just two guys. But the way that band uses horns is kind of the epitome of what I like. It's just a little bit of an accent. It's a little, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the chipotle mayo on your sandwich or whatever. It's, it's not driving the song per se. So those are my two sections as they were. And then I thought of some tracks that I really like. Uh, I used to be a big Sturgill Simpson fan until he turned into a dick who bitched about having to play arenas and yada, yada, yada. But uh, his, his uh, 
Oh, I'm oh, I'm so successful. Woe is me. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> to, to, the, to the guys like Gus still playing at yeah. the Bola Rock. Uh, yeah. like, I'm not I'm not really gonna listen to you bitch about how hard it is playing in arena when, and then, when I have to do four sets at yeah, a bowling right, alley. Right. <laughs> just just bite me, Sturge. Bite me, you know. And then he makes a record that he knows his label is gonna hate. Uh, any but having said that call to arms the horn part on that is just absolutely fantastic as is the b3 part and uh this is a tie i was thinking my favorite stones tracks with a horn part and the first one that came to mind was bitch because uh-huh. it, it doesn't it, it doesn't really swing until the horns take over the lick you know and i don't know if it I don't know if Charlie, who is basically a jazz drummer, had anything to do with that, but it's it's not as loose as your typical Stones track. And then as soon as the the horns go da 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 da, it's like we are off to the races. That's just fantastic. And of course, one of the all time great Stones tracks also has a great horn bit, and that's Tumbling Dice. You know. I don't need to say anything about that. It's got those breakdowns, uh, just everything about that song. It's just absolutely fantastic. And since I was kind of splitting the difference, I decided to challenge myself to come up with the best pop song that has a horn lick. And it is, and there will be no argument about this, Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. Come on. How can you not be absolutely delighted when you hear that song? Oh, man. I saw Stevie Wonder one time at Austin City Limits Music Festival, and it's like 80,000 people just just being uplifted, just being transcended of their their miserable existences, most especially (laughs) mine, by, by... by Stevie Wonder playing that and many, many other songs, but the da 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 it's just come on. That is that is and it was a it was probably kind of a daring thing for him to do at the time because it's no homage to Duke Ellington. It's not jazzy in any way, but it's it's certainly horn-centric. He lets the horns carry that song, and it's just a joy. So um with that, I'm in, except Michael Buffalo Smith. You neglected today's scripture reading. So, oh, no, uh, I forgot the Bible. Oh, well, I, I, I decided I'm going to, help to hell you out. for that. I decided to help you out. This is thank from you. The, thank you. Ro, bless you, my son. Bless you. This thank is you, from Father Patrick. Ro, Father Patrick, ro, ro, yes. Rolling Stones, Alt Rock Arena an outrageous compendium of facts, fiction, trivia, and critiques on alternative the rock. book ever written. A reading from the book of Nirvana Fun Facts. From the book of Nirvana. Contents of Kurt Cobain's pockets in police report yes. on his first vandalism arrest, according to Aberdeen police. One guitar pick, yeah. one key, one can of beer, one mood ring, one millions of dead cops cassette. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to have a mood ring in there. There you go. There you go. 
Man, that was, yeah, I I had a giggle when I first read that, too. I want to great get selection. To, I want to uh, great Jim selection. Yeah, okay, yeah. Player. okay, yeah, I, I thought sure Patrick was going to go go here, so I, I will go here for my bonus, and that is the JB's horn section. Uh-huh, uh-huh. James yeah. Brown. Yeah. Uh, over the years has had yep. great horn players course including maceo parker maceo parker but yeah. i thought i thought for sure that you know and it was kind of a revolving cast uh of folks that played with jb which is not uncommon since he was a little bit of a taskmaster but some great horn charts on on those records so i thought and you have taskmaster master you mean crazy yeah crazy <laughs> crazy and and hard to please yeah uh but uh, but anyway the jb's uh certainly i think deserve a mention for Absolutely. all that great stuff on the on the james brown records so Wow, man! Our list went pretty quick this week, man. They did. Indeed. Well, yeah, that's you know, that means that some people may still be listening. Yeah, we can't have that. Man. We've we've only been yeah, we've only been taping about an hour and fifteen minutes. Usually, our hour show goes almost three hours. <laughs> Everybody had a really good list. I've got something for you for next week. Okay. Uh, and you know, let me tell you when I came up with it. About five minutes ago, I'm trying yeah, to be more like right. Billy. Yeah, you want to just shoot from the hip, man. Exactly. Yeah, I think oh, this is uh, pretty wait, good, wait, though. Wait. I think this is pretty. Oh. This might be fun. I, Knowing okay. what I know, what little I know about you guys, I think I know probably more about Billy than the other guys. And and, and you know, I probably know more about Billy than I really <laughs> want to know. Yeah, and my attorney has told you you're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, that's, yeah. I thought Jim was your attorney. No, no, Jim, no that would be such no. a conflict of interest. Oh, yeah, conflict of <laughs> no. interest. That's Billy, right. Bill, that's Billy, need, Billy needs a criminal attorney. Jim is a <laughs> civil litigator. Yeah, yeah, I need a yeah, I need a criminal attorney, and I need to have a bondsman on speed dial. <laughs> and you have okay, you need to have an attorney that doesn't look down upon you for drinking uh, tequila in the morning. In the morning, because because I got that yesterday when I was doing that thing. It was about uh, a little bit before noon, eleven twenty, and he and he says, uh, "Would you like some tequila?" And I said, "I would." I may have told you, and he said, uh, it's not too early for you. It's Mexico somewhere. Man. It's Mexico somewhere. <laughs> and and it, at that point, it, your, song, your song changed from Añejo Nights to Añejo Mornings. Well, and, you know, I mean, at that point, I was like, why are you still talking and not pouring? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And when you say pour... You mean poor, not some yeah, little, I mean poor I mean poor tiny little shot ass glass. Yeah, don't, no, don't be, no, don't be tim don't be timid. I got I, I was a six I got a six ounce tumbler full. There you go. <laughs> Woo! Pour me another tequila, Sheila. Uh, I'm, gonna so, on, I'm gonna put on your headset and dress. Yeah, go that's ahead. right. That's what's, exactly. what's our topic? What's our the topic? The topic is called unplugged. Yeah, unplugged. I thought this might be fun to talk about our individual favorite um, acoustic performances of anything by anybody. The acoustic version that you may have seen on YouTube or live or heard or whatever. I mean, I immediately had like 10 or 12 just popping on my mind. 
because as I've gotten older, being a tender, young 63 year old, I, I mean, as much as I do like to rock and roll, rock W, I mean, R A W K, I love to rock and roll, but I also really, as I've gotten older, have a newfound appreciation for acoustic versions of things. That's one of the things that I love about Bruce. One of the many things I love about Bruce is that he doesn't mind doing a whole show where he just plays acoustic and sings. Or, or does a whole bunch of just traditional American folk songs like 15 Miles on the Erie Canal. And yeah, only, exactly. He, all that, all he that can, great He can stuff. make that rock, man. I mean, he 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 takes that song, makes it rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done so many great, uh, great American songbook songs, and uh, yeah, and that's just one artist. I mean, there's so many. Can I so ask many. a So it's unplugged. Can I ask and, a clarifying uh, I, question? I, I, I look forward to seeing what Jim comes up with for. Can I ask uh, a clarifying your question? Your dolls unplugged. Can I ask a clarifying question? Yeah. yeah. So are, are we to limit this to songs that originally were not done acoustically and then were redone acoustically? Or is that, does this include songs that have always been acoustic? Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, answer to your question is yes. yes. Okay. The answer to your question is there are no rules. Well, uh, can so we do something it, that's all electric then? Yes. It can be something that's uh, <laughs> Well, it, it wouldn't be acoustic if it's all electric. Well, you said there were yes, no okay, rules. Yes, okay. yes, well, there were yeah. rules. Hand know. raised yeah, over uh, here in the back. That's not <laughs> a rule. That's science. Could it be Going back can, to can, science again. If can it's it be electric, it's not acoustic. Can it be a recording with no sound at all? Yes. Yeah, okay. like like the Kingsman. Yes. Oh, I, I want to say that, Jim, uh, you know, I was working at the Treehouse this week, and it's studios a lot like the Green Garage, except uh, he's got he's got a magic eight ball, the same as you do, because, you know, that's vital studio equipment. Yeah. You make but he also, has, he also has a B3. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And I was like, man, I'm telling He said, no, we're not putting any B3 on any of this. <laughs> I was like, but, but man, it's right there. You know? <laughs> it's a delicate balance between what's more important on a record, a B3 or an eight ball. And, and here's what, man. Who's more delicately balanced than me? <laughs> And, you know, and then you could say that in certain crowds and they go, give me the eight ball, man. I'll snort it. No, no, no. Not that eight ball, you dumbass. Different, different eight ball. So we had to take the drummer to the ER, man, to get the magic eight ball dislodged from his sinuses. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, I'm good, glad I ordered good, me an eight ball. I haven't had one since I was a kid. Good show this week, man. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, not to pat each other on the back or anything, but heck yeah, 150. Wow. Well, I was I was surprised that really collectively we knew as much about horn sections as it turned out. <laughs> really, because you know none of us really that, give a. I, no, not, none of don't. us are really big, huge fans of horn sections. No, and I'm I a fan of Clarence. And I'm okay. I mean, I like Chicago and I like blood, sweat, and tears, but you know, I'm not going to go in 
put on their album very often. When, when, when you gave us this topic last week, I mean, I didn't say anything, but I, you were like, hey, okay, let's do, uh, you know, horn players and horn sections. And I remember thinking at the time, who cares? Man? Well, maybe yeah, I should have actually clarified it and said punk horn sections. Or, you know, uh, <laughs> we ought to do a show on harmonica sections. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's your favorite yeah, harmonica bro. players and banjo players? Banjo rumble. <laughs> I would have to say Eric Weisberg. Uh, and that's the only know, one I ever heard of. I actually, I actually know a, a, a like a world class banjo player, man, Richie Stearns. Uh, but you know that, that's uh, there's only like one. So well, who could do harmonica <laughs> players? Because everybody loves John Popper. <coughs> Excuse me. I was yeah. joking when I said that. I think I think I have to go have a shot at tequila on that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm well, out, I'm out, guys. Y'all have a good rest of the weekend. All right. Well, right, I got I got to say one more thing. Yeah. Out there in internet land, whatever you do, do not Google Dirty Sanchez. No, don't. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, man, could... why, why, why did you even have to say that? <laughs> you know, I, I was having. He's a, he's a troublemaker. He runs with I'm, scissors. I, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm having a, you know, I'm having a pretty good morning and it's all relaxed and I'm sitting outside and everything's great. And then you had to say something like that. <laughs> welcome you are welcome it it ties into his recommendation he was a callback (laughs) oh i well i missed his because i was talking to griffy yeah oh and by the way griffy well he didn't really say hi because he doesn't say that but he did say (laughs) popcorn so excellent (laughs) yeah yeah that means hi in some languages right it means hi to griffy when you tell him (laughs) hi you better have popcorn popcorn Yep. Yep. All right. I'm out. I'll see you guys next week. See you all later. Thanks, guys. Right on. See you. Bye.
just a personal opinion of mine, but that's one of the greatest horn players, uh, I believe ever the late, great Clarence Clemens with Bruce Springsteen and the East street band. And if you haven't heard born to run before, then, uh, you must be living under a rock, man. What a great song. It's still great. After all these years. I was going to do the math, but I can't do math. I, it was 1975 was a lot of years ago and, uh, it still holds up very well. Want to thank you all for tuning into the program today. Uh, always fun, always a good time. And, uh, want to thank, uh, Billy, Eli, Patrick beach and Jim Hemphill as always. Thank you guys, uh, who listened in. And thank you for helping to spread the word about the Kudzu Radio Hour and getting, letting, letting your friends know that it's always there every week. We do it every week. And it's always free, 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 free. And uh, we want you to get involved. Uh, just email us your thoughts, opposing viewpoints, uh, love letters, whatever you want to send to kudzumag at yahoo.com. K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, Kudzumag at yahoo.com. And once again, we want to thank our sponsors, Springer Mountain Farms Chicken in Georgia. Uh, fresh, fresh chicken, responsibly raised on family farms, Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. Just go to springermountain.com, springermtn.com. 
the best chicken, man. The absolute best. Program is always brought to you as well by the Box Masters. I like to call them that little old band from LA. <laughs> Uh, Bud Thornton and J.D. Andrew and company and um, just outstanding band now for years, probably been 13 years that they've been playing together, but they have just a major uh, great music. Well, that's, that doesn't make any sense, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, they got great music and they've done a pile of albums over the past 13 years. They're very, very prolific. And the one they're promoting right now is called Light Rays. And you really, 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 you might not know that you need it as badly as you do, but you do. You need it very badly. And uh, it's called Light Rays. And you can get it on LP, uh, vinyl, CD, download, and all sorts of Boxmasters merchandise and more at theboxmasters.com. And, uh, the, all that being said, that's going to wrap it up for show number 150. Wow. No wonder I'm tired. No, I'm just kidding, folks. It's just, <laughs> we have a good time doing it, man. Oh, great time doing it. Show number 150, the Kudzu Radio Hour. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be looking for you again next week. Same bat time. Same bat channel on the Kudzu Radio Hour. Bye now.